This is the Insulone podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, when I realized that, right, well, my short-term and long-term health can only be based from what I'm doing right now. Let me prioritize the decisions that I make right now. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Insulone Podcast. But just as I press record on this episode of the podcast, I took a quick look, as I always do, with my blood sugar as we're starting the episode, and I see arrow down 4.7. So Uh-oh. we're actually dipping live on the podcast. Okay, so... Were you expecting that to happen? Uh, no, but the continued saga of my insulin to carb ratios being all over the place since COVID makes things that bit more unpredictable. What are you drinking now? <sighs> glucose drink. It's like a little shot of glucose. Okay. Always put a bit of tequila in it as well, just to <laughs> make, make it go down. Just take no, the edge off things. Exactly. No, I wasn't expecting it because I had actually written a note about this episode before we press recording, before we press record about how I have finally got my insulin to carb ratios down since having COVID. But the ratio that I used this morning for breakfast is the ratio that I've always been using. It's worked mostly up to this point but now it's had me coming down so i'm kind of back to square one <laughs> with, with how my bloods are so different well another sip of the shot so basically since co i know i've kind of gone on about this but over the past i'd say week or week and a half my ratios have been a bit more predictable now i'll go into detail about how different they are at different times of day but to put it into perspective, before I had COVID, my ratio was one unit of insulin for 30 grams carbs every day, regardless of the time of day. Now, my insulin to carb ratio is about 1 to 18 for the first half of the day, my first meal or two. And then later on in the day, my ratio has been like 1 to 40 which has been nuts. Mm. So it's double yeah. depending on the time of day, which is crazy because it had always just consistently been 1 to 30. So any meal I go into 1 to 30, 1 to 30, 1 to 30 served me well. But yeah, it's just, it's it's been, been unpredictable. But I suppose it's taken me out of my autopilot management because everything was always so consistent. And I've had to, as I've gone through in the podcast before, reanalyze bloods, reanalyze ratios, basal rates, time of day, bloods around training. So it's been an additional learning curve, as diabetes always likes to show us sometimes. Thing is, though, you love all this. You love relearning and trying to figure it out and trying to get down to the nitty gritty of, oh, just why? But why? And then watching all the graphs and testing out different food. It's brilliant. I'm enjoying yeah. I'm enjoying this journey because it was nearly too easy for you. 
Yeah, I suppose in a strange sort of way, because my... Oh, there we go. There's the alarm going off. So the that's you going low? No, we're, actually, we're, we're fine now. I knew, it wa- I knew it wasn't going low, but I knew it was on the way down. Okay. But it's holding stable, which is good. I'd know if it was going down lower. I'd be not stringing words together <laughs> or I wouldn't be able to speak <laughs> properly, which I probably can't most of the time anyway. But yeah, I suppose having to reevaluate my management in almost with almost every aspect of it has been interesting and been frustrating and challenging. But at the same time, I love this kind of analysis of my own diabetes. And that's why I love even analyzing other people's management too. And that's why I love what I do with, with the clients that I work with. But when it has been, or when it is as unpredictable as it has been for me, there's times you're like, oh God, please just, just go back to the way, go back to the way you were. But it's what you have to deal with. What are we going to talk about this week, Owen? I want to talk about how our decisions each day directly impact our management. Now, we've gone through plenty of times the 42 confirmed factors that influence your blood sugar. These are things that we can control. These are things that we can't control. These are hormones, normal bodily functions, stress, movement, all these different things. But when you actually look closer into them, the things that we can control, i.e. our insulin, our movement, the food we eat, the water we drink, the time we go to bed, all these different things, the things that we can control essentially come down to our decision around those things. What I mean by that is because we know food will have an almost immediate and direct impact on our bloods, the decisions that we make around the food that we eat can either have a positive or a negative impact on our bloods. So when we are aware of the decisions that we can make around these 42 different factors, the ones that we can control, that's when we can say to ourselves, right, I have the ability to a certain extent to make quote unquote good or bad decisions around these different activities or aspects each day to benefit my management. The best way for me to look at it is from my own perspective, if I compare a good day of bloods to a bad day of bloods, vast majority of the time, what I'm doing or what I'm not doing on a good or a bad day is very, very different. So on a good day, let's say my bloods are 80, 85, 90% time in range, I would consider that a good day. The chances are on that good day, I am making the decision to move more, to exercise, to drink water, to accurately carb count each meal, to pre-bolus, to prioritize my sleep the night before, all of these things that essentially I have a decision to make around. Now, on a bad day for me, of course, things that I can't control can have an impact like being super stressed, maybe a higher morning rise from foot to floor or dawn phenomenon, whatever it might be. But the vast majority of the time, when I have a bad day, blood sugar-wise, it will come down to the decisions that I made or the decisions that I didn't make. 
So if I have a bad day, I know that I probably didn't move. I probably didn't go to the gym. I probably ate at random times. I was probably stacking insulin. I probably didn't carb count accurately. I probably didn't drink as much water as I should. So when I can identify the difference between a good and bad day, I'm able to say then, okay, what are the things that I did on a good day? Or what are the things that I didn't do on a bad day? And this is actually something that we went through. So the clients that I work with one-to-one, we do a weekly Zoom call and we go through kind of questions to cover or a different topic, whatever it might be. And last week we looked at how to analyze your own blood sugar reports. And with that, we went through how good and bad days can be subjective. My good may be different to someone else's good. My bad may be different to someone else's bad. But when we know for ourselves that, right, a good day for me is 70, 80, 90% time and range, whatever that is. When I know what that good day is, I then know the decisions that I can make around it. And what I always emphasize and what I will continue to emphasize is the fact that our time and range or the number that we see on our blood sugar monitor or however we check our blood sugar is not just a number. Yes, it could be high. Yes, it could be low. Yes, it could be in range. But it's what that number actually means that is that makes it so important. And I know that if I check my blood sugar and my bloods are 15, it's not just the number 15. That to me means my bloods are high. That to me means I'm probably in a bad mood. I'm probably more irritable. I don't have as much energy. I can't perform as I would like on a run or the gym. Or if my bloods are low, that proves that I probably need to sit out for 20 minutes. You know, so having an idea of what you feel is good and what you feel is bad then lets you understand, right, what do I need to consistently do to have a good day? And look, we've gone through it plenty of times in this podcast before about how when you have a quote-unquote good blood sugar day, you feel completely different. You're in a better mood. You have more energy. You're not as snappy. You can concentrate and focus more. It's not just a number. It's what that number signifies to you. When you were on that call, um, roughly how many people were on it? Uh, I think it's about 10 or 11. So, yeah, 10 or 11, because a lot of people are on either different time zones or yeah. working late or whatever it might be. So 10 or 11. And did everybody have a different idea of what good was to them and what bad was to them? Was everyone's 100%. good and bad different? Yes. Could you give you a few examples? For you, obviously, you have a very, 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 very high standard, and I suppose you probably don't allow for much error in terms of where you like to have your bloods. But would other people be a little bit more lenient as in their life wouldn't revolve so much around training as you do? How did it work out on the call? Yeah, absolutely. So one that comes to mind is one of the girls that I work with, a standard for her or, or, a, or a typical blood sugar day or week for her recently would have been about 30%. Now, over the last 14 days, because she's been implementing certain strategies and tactics around her bloods and her routine, she's increased that by 28% in, 
over a 14 day period. Now that's a massive increase yeah. over a 14 day period. So her seeing that success, which is an unbelievable achievement in 14 days, 28% increase, that might be slightly different to somebody else's increase of a 5% from 85% to 90% in a week. So that's why I always say how important it is not to compare yourself to other people's blood sugars. Mm -hmm. And you hear that with all sorts of walks of life. Like don't compare yourself to people who are doing different things to you. And don't compare yourself to people who are doing the same thing as you because they could be further along the journey that they're on. So somebody who has been diabetic for 10 years, let's say somebody's been diabetic for 10 years, and only last year, they've really looked at honing in their management. They've really started to prioritize it. Their management could be very, very different compared to somebody who is diabetic for five years. But for those five years, they've really prioritized it. So it's important that you don't compare yourself to other people's blood sugars. Because everybody has different routines. Everybody has different priorities. Everybody has a different lifestyle. Somebody who is diabetic for 30 years and has four young kids is very different to me who's been diabetic, who doesn't have any kids. And essentially my job is managing diabetes. Yeah. So that's why it's always important not to compare yourself to what other people are doing. Because my good and my bad be very different to someone else's good and their bad but your good can be a massive increase or improvement from last week or last month or last year and it's important that you look back at those things and i'm guilty of that too i i'm guilty of comparing myself to other people in all walks of life like if i see somebody running 10 marathons in 10 days i'm like why am i why haven't i done that <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But they've they've probably been running ten marathons. They've probably been running marathons for years. So yeah. me comparing myself to that is only making myself feel worse. And it's it's the same when you do it with, with blood sugars. It's look at what's good and bad to you. How can you consistently improve? How can you consistently prioritize your management to compare yourself to yourself? Kind of went slightly off track there from the decisions, but relating decisions that we make to your own management essentially is you deciding to make a certain improvement, you deciding to implement new habits, you deciding to prioritize different aspects of your day. And when I realized that the decisions that I make have an immediate and direct impact on my blood sugar... That's when I knew, okay, these decisions can have a positive or negative impact. So sometimes if I say to myself, look, I'm a massive advocate for living your life the way you want and then fitting your diabetes into that. I'm not big on being super restrictive with what you do and what you want to do just to benefit your bloods. I am a believer in you can fit your bloods and your diabetes management into how you want to eat, how you want to live, how you want to train, how you want to just go about your lifestyle. But that being said, that doesn't mean that I don't make rational and measured decisions to benefit my blood. I would love to say I can eat Chinese every day or I can eat pizza 
every day or I don't have to train or I don't have to prioritize my sleep, (laughs) whatever it is. But if I make the decision to do those things, I then also need to realize that, well, of course, that's going to have an impact on my blood sugar. So sometimes I sacrifice what I want right now to benefit my bloods for tonight or tomorrow or next week or 10 years down the line. So to give you an example of that, and I was actually having this conversation with a client <laughs> recently enough, and we, we were talking about delayed gratification or delayed satisfaction, mm. right? And you might hear that a lot in all walks of life, but it's extremely relevant for living with type 1 diabetes. Because if I can delay my satisfaction of having a steady night of blood sugar compared to immediate satisfaction of stuffing my face with five cakes, 10 cakes. I'm not saying you can't stuff your face with with 10 cakes, but if I make the decision to stuff my face with 10 cakes, I also need to be okay with the idea that, well, chances are my blood sugars are going to be causing havoc throughout the night because they probably can't accurately carb count. The sugar and the fat is going to throw my bloods all over the place. So what I say to myself is my blood sugar is not conscious. My blood sugar reacts to things I do, reacts to the things I don't do. I can't be annoyed at my blood sugar for spiking if I did something that I knew would spike them. Mm. So what I always say is, again, our bloods are not conscious. Our bloods are not out to get us. They're not out to piss us off, even though they do a lot of the time. But our goal as a type 1 diabetic is to replicate how our body is supposed to function naturally. And it's very complex and it's very difficult to do that. But if I don't make the decisions to try and replicate as closely as possible what my pancreas is supposed to do with insulin, if I don't do those things, of course my blood sugar is going to spike. So if I make a decision to accurately carb count, if I make a decision to be disciplined with a pre-bolus, those two decisions completely change how my bloods will react to the food that I'm eating. Whereas if I sit down to a meal, I don't carb count. I don't pre-bolus. Like the chances are, the chances of my blood sugar not spiking, pretty small. So as frustrating as diabetes is, and again, I'm only speaking from my own perspective here. As frustrating as diabetes can be, If I don't make these sort of decisions each day, how can I be annoyed at my bloods? If I don't carb count or pre-bolus or drink water or exercise, inevitably my blood sugar is going to be more difficult to manage. So I can't be annoyed at my blood sugar for that. It just reacts to what's happening. So the decisions that I would consistently have to make to prioritize my bloods, for me, stem from the decision that I make to prioritize my blood. And what I mean by that is if I first make the decision of I am going to keep my bloods 
80%, 90% time and range. If I'm making that decision, then I know that I can look at what do I need to do to get me there. And this is another thing that we were covering on, on the group Zoom throughout the week. You can't just have a goal without understanding how you're going to get to that goal. It's all well and good for me to say, oh, I really want my bloods to be 100%. But just because I said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I need to say, I would love my bloods to be 100%, but what do I actually need to do each day to make sure they get there or as close to? So if I make a decision to say, I want my bloods this week to be 80% time and range, I then make the decision of looking at the different decisions I can make around my food, make around exercise, make around my overall diabetes management. So a couple of those decisions could be any meal that I eat at home, I'm accurately carb counting. That's a decision. Any decision I eat at home, I'm pre-bolus in 15 minutes. That's another decision. I'm making a decision to drink two or three liters of water a day. That's a decision that I make. I'm making a decision to go to bed at a reasonable hour at night. I'm not going to stay up until 4 a.m. That is also a decision. My diabetes, anybody's diabetes management is always, 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 always going to be built from the boring, consistent, sometimes irrelevant looking decisions. Mm. There is no quick fix. There is no magic pill. There is no one magic formula to keeping your bloods consistent. You consistently live with type 1 diabetes. It's a consistent condition. So your treatment of it needs to be just as consistent if you want your bloods to be up where you want them to be. Your bloods will... Let let me keep this to me personally. My bloods, take it as you will, (laughs) my bloods will immediately respond to what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. That's a decision. If I make the decision one week to not exercise at all, of course my bloods are going to be different. If I make the decision to not carb count, of course my bloods are going to respond differently to that. If I'm making a certain decision, I can't be annoyed at my blood sugar for reacting to that decision. So, so much of our management comes down to, firstly, what do I want? And oftentimes it can be very difficult to be consistent with your diabetes management because it is that long-term. And one client always comes to mind when I think about the consistency of the long-term because we talk about it all the time and how he struggles sometimes because it's such a long-term game and there's no reward. Like essentially the reward is no complications, you know, but that's, that's way down the line. It's not like, if I stay consistent for six months, I get an award or I get an A grade or mm. it, it's, a, it's a consistent effort all the time. And we can be overwhelmed sometimes when we look at that long term because it's like, oh my God, I have to do this for the rest of my life. When you actually think about that, it can be overwhelming. But when you break down that long-term and that overwhelm into, right, look, because my long-term is built from 
today, tomorrow, next week. That's all you can focus on. So without completely obsessing over it, when I realized that, right, well, my short-term and long-term health can only be based from what I'm doing right now. Let me prioritize the decisions that I make right now. But if I keep batting it off and batting it off and batting, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. The cliche thing to say, tomorrow never comes. And if I keep saying I'm going to prioritize my management tomorrow, tomorrow will come and I'll say the same thing. So not obsessing over it, but understanding what are the small things I can do right now to benefit my health. So what are the small decisions that I can make today? You could be listening to this podcast and you're thinking, well, I already make those decisions or I don't make any of those decisions. You don't have to be an all or nothing kind of person. You can look at what one step can I make today or next week that that will have a benefit. You might be somebody that never exercises. I can absolutely guarantee you, if you start exercising more, you will feel better, you'll have more energy, you will sleep better, and inevitably your bloods will be easier to manage. I love this because, you know, some of my favorite episodes are the ones where I'm actually on with you and I don't have to talk that much. And you just get into a flow and you talk. And especially, obviously, this is a diabetic podcast, but when I'm actually listening, sometimes I like to take your advice and then apply it to my own life in terms of other aspects of my life and getting up early and going to work and going to the gym as much as I can. And I understand that I don't have to do this to regulate my blood sugars, but I kind of do have to do it to regulate my own life as well, because to kind of keep my fitness up and my happiness up and my work ethic up. So I absolutely loved all of that. When I was listening about the kind of the, don't be doing something in the short term, just for short term gain, when you can do something even greater in the long term. And I understand that's got to do with your health and your diabetes. But for me, I've kind of, I was kind of applying that to different things and kind of different people in my life as well who have been trying to advise. I love it. I thought that was great advice that you could, you could actually let somebody who isn't diabetic listen to that. And I think they would get <laughs> so much, so much out of that because it's such, such good advice. It's all about the simple things. And unfortunately, it's about the boring things. And the one thing that you that resonated with me is like going to bed early. And I was like, I know for me, again, I know I'm not diabetic, but it's just where my head was going during this. So I know that if I go to bed at half eight in the morning and I'm asleep by quarter past nine and my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. in the morning to go into work, I know that I'll be in much better form mm. all day. And when I'm meeting people in the afternoon, when they're finishing off work or meeting them for lunch, I'll know that I'll be in better form for them as opposed to staying up late, being tired, being groggy in the morning, and then I'm miserable to be around. So just those little things I was I was loving listening to. I was like applying them to my own life. And also yeah. something which only clicked in my head recently. It's not got to do with this, but it's got to do with um, foot to floor. I always struggle getting up because I like no matter how long it is, I just don't like getting up early. But I do it every single morning because I have to be in work for 6 a.m. And I was lying in bed and you know when you, you you lie in bed and you let it get the better of you and you're kind of going, oh, I'll get up in a oh, minute. It's a dangerous I'll time. I'll get up in a minute. <laughs> Isn't it? And Make then break. when I'm in the shower or when I get up, I realize, oh, I feel so much better. Mm. And it only dawned on me this week or maybe it was last week, it dawned on me, that I am also getting foot to floor in terms of 
not diabetes foot to floor, but I'm getting that natural release of glucose into my body to help me kickstart the day. And obviously my pancreas is reacting to keep my blood sugars level. Well, you will have to sort it out with insulin. But am I getting foot to floor in terms of that's my body giving myself a little bit of kick to get up when I get out of bed? Is that true? I would assume so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've never monitored someone's blood sugar who isn't diabetic. Yeah. But naturally, adrenaline, cortisol, the, yeah. essentially the stress hormones will be higher in the morning for everybody anyway. Yeah. I could lie in bed till 10 past five and I'll still be, oh, I feel so tired. Or I could get up at two minutes past five and by 10 past five, I will be, boom, ready to go. Because I was did it last week and I was thinking... Is this like, this must be my natural release of glucose, which Owen has always been talking about and the hormones are kicking in to kind of get you going. I was like, oh yeah. So I'm learning. Even it only took 102 you, episodes. Even how you, are, you articulate the, the bodily function in the morning, Graham, you've learned so much from the podcast. Yay. <laughs> but even going back on that and, and a quote that came to mind when you were explaining that there, how you can kind of relate it to your life, even if you aren't diabetic. I can't remember who, who said it or where I heard it, but it was like, don't be annoyed at the results you didn't get by the work you didn't do. Mm. And I always relate that to my bloods. And it's like, I can't be annoyed because my blood sugar isn't where I want it to be if I haven't done anything to help my blood sugar get where I want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, let me just reiterate the fact that our blood sugar is never going to be perfect. It's not going to happen. Nobody's blood sugar is perfect. But... When we try to control the controllables, i.e. exercise, sleep, water, insulin, food, we can make our lives a lot easier for us. So I say that to myself, <laughs> if, if my bloods are, are, are acting up or they're causing me hassle or they're pissing me off, excuse my language, and they're doing that because I haven't done what I know I need to do, I can't be annoyed at my blood sugar. You can't be annoyed at the results you didn't get for yep. the work that you didn't do. I think yep. that's class. And I was even only having this conversation, I think, with my dad relatively recently. And it was like, the lessons that you learn from a life with diabetes, you can relate it to so many different aspects of your life. You know, it's like discipline, hard work, appreciation, gratitude for different things. And it's no secret that living with diabetes is hard work and all these different things that I've outlined that I know I need to consistently do to keep my bloods where I want them. They're not there all the time, but when I work hard to have them up there, chances are they'll be there. Diabetes is hard. It's extremely hard. You need to be consistent all the time if you want your bloods to be consistent. And I suppose once we can make the decision of what it is that we want from our bloods, do I want 50%? Do I want 60%? Do I want 90%? If we have that decision in our head, then we know that, all right, can I list out the things that I need to do or the things that I know I need to prioritize? Because keeping your bloods at 100%, very unrealistic, but for the example, keeping your bloods at 100% is very different to keeping your bloods at, say, 20%. It requires a lot of different strategies, tactics, discipline, all these different things. And there's another, another client comes to mind. Over the last 30 days, his bloods were 90% over a 30-day period, which is phenomenal. And I was chatting to him about it, and he said, I've never had a 90% week 
and now he's had a 90% month. So nice. he was always working towards his 90%, 90%, 90% week because that's a goal that he had. And when we finally hit it, it was like, unreal. We've hit that 90% week. But he kind of cracked the code then. Because he had done a 90% week, he knew what benefited him. He knew the routine to stick to. He knew the foods to eat. He knew the doses to take, the exercise to do, the water to drink. And it was like the 90% month was easier than a 90% week because he had kind of cracked that code. But what he said to me, he said, being so consistent is extremely hard work, but it's so rewarding. And it is because our goal as a type one diabetic essentially is to function as we would or to feel as we would if our body was working 100% normally. And to get it to work as closely as possible to how it should work is hard work. There's no diabetic listening to this that finds diabetes easy. If you're 10%, 50%, 100% time and range, regardless of what your time and range is, it's hard work. But if you say to yourself, right, I actually want to set myself a goal of hitting 40%, 50%, 60%, 70%, whatever it is for you, whatever that goal is for you, set the goal, give yourself a target and see if you can work towards it. Because I've never met a diabetic who can't achieve what they want to achieve blood sugar wise. Everybody can do it. It's daunting and it's hard and it's, it's frustrating, but nobody listening to this can't keep their bloods where they want them to keep it, whatever that might be. Owen, I think you've given us more than enough <laughs> on this episode. I'm rambling. Decisions, decisions, decisions. That is what it is all about. And if you make the decision to send us an email, the email address you need is theinsulaowenpodcast at gmail.com. You can see it in the description of this episode, wherever you are listening. And as always, thank you very much for tuning in. We love to hear any of your stories, any of your comments, any of your questions, anything at all. Um, we like to do them a couple of times a month. Owen, thank you. I love that transition, Graham. If you want to make the decision to email, yes, please make the decision to email. You've made the decision to listen to the podcast, which we are greatly thankful for. We always appreciate your time and your ears, but please make the decision to reach out. Don't hesitate. We love getting stories. We love getting questions. We love hearing experiences from anybody, from everybody around the world. It's amazing to see, and it's unbelievable to have this sort of community that we do with the podcast now so as always thank you for your time have a fantastic day have a fantastic week look after your blood sugars and we will chat to you soon take it easy